0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. And for episode one, we thought that we'd uh, we'd take a little trip uh, kind of explaining our gaming past a little bit. Uh, we've been uh, friends and playing a lot of different games for, I, I guess, almost 20 years now. Yeah, I uh, it's almost right at it. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think. Yeah. Uh, even just to think that video games are like that old to begin with, I, it kind of blows my mind a little bit. Yeah. We've really Uh, seen the evolution here, kind of the gaming over the past uh, 20 years. We've known each other and we've both been gaming before that. So, yes. And there's a a lot of, uh, of benefits and negatives to the way the game has gaming has evolved over the years. Uh, I think probably mostly for the, the better, but, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I have, I won't know until, you know, I'm dead and I've seen all the games. That's Which, true. But, yeah, I mean, for the most part, especially just the way everything everything's at your fingertips now and it's so easy, I mean, that part's, you know, definitely handy and, and a lot better. But, yeah, some things, you know, I kind of wish I could take a time machine and go back a little bit. Right. Well, and that's one of the best parts about physical media of games as opposed to the digital era now. We can always go back and play those games, assuming they survive our childhood Our parents don't sell them (laughs) at a garage sale, natural disasters, all that good stuff. Or if you just can't afford a Super Nintendo game anymore, I understand, because they're so damn expensive. Yeah, it's ridiculous. We got our copies X3, we're good, but yeah, I wouldn't want to have to mortgage the house to get another one. Right, well, that's just my down payment at the minimum. So so, uh, the kind of games we want to talk about today, we've uh, both come up with a list of uh, some of our favorite co-op games. Most of them we've played together to some extent, so both of us have a little bit of experience with all of them and probably have a different outlook uh, on them, especially if maybe we played them with different friends, things like that. Um, So basically for us, co-op can be uh, any game where you're obviously cooperatively trying to get to the goal of a game, uh, be it an RPG, an action game, a shooter, whatever it may be. You could even... I guess, in the grand scheme of things, you could consider multiplayer sports games, also co-op games. Yeah, I mean, they can be if you're on the same team and not, you know, raging against each other. Yeah, which, yeah, that's not cooperative, but it's definitely <laughs> fun. So, I mean, it's whatever. It's gaming. You do what you want, and I'm totally down for that. So, <clears throat> I definitely uh, tried to pick a reasonably different uh, uh, set of games from various different genres in my list, but, uh, Even in trying to do that, I kind of just threw my list together actually pretty quickly uh, from games that I really like, and I was just naturally just kind of, I don't kind of. Yeah, and I think we should uh, let everybody know, too, just before we get started here, that we're talking about co-op games, but we're really more specifically talking about couch co-op. This is true. And so we're, but our list is going to revolve around there. So there won't be uh, you won't find any real um, like MMOs on here. We're not going to see WoW on here because it doesn't really have a couch co-op experience there. That's right. Typing in the chat box and, and talking over the microphone, even though much like we're doing right now, is not the same at all. Uh, and we've been playing couch co-op games for the last 20 years. And for the first, I don't know, between 12 to 15 years that we were playing games, that's all you had. Yeah, and it absolutely. Was, and it was great. And once that kind of went away, uh, you know, the the age of online gaming, and some some games just don't let you do it anymore, which is burdensome because it, it does take away some of the magic. Yeah, for sure. And, like, even, like, I have a group of friends that still gets together to play, you know, split-screen Halo 3. And the latest Halo, Halo 5, they took that away, which is the you know, the biggest aspect of it for us to all be sitting next to each other and uh, hurling insults and killing each other. It's not the same with a random person online. That's right. Co-op does not mean that you have to enjoy the people next to you all the time. <laughs> it just means you're having fun. So, yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Um, so, uh, in saying that, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more while we're going through the games. Uh, we'll go ahead and start with... Uh, when we compared our list at the beginning, it was it was kind of strange. Uh, since we've been playing together so long, I figured that we'd have more games on our list uh, that we both mentioned twice. And it happened to be that we really only mentioned two games, um, and one of them was actually pretty surprising to me because it's actually one of uh, it's actually one of the newer games on my list, and I definitely think on Buck's list, it um, might be the most recent game on both our lists there. It, it's pretty close. I actually, yeah, actually, I think you're right. Yeah, the, yeah it looks that way. And uh, that game is Hardcore Uprising, uh, which was uh, basically it was the next evolution of the Contra series. It was released on the Xbox 360 and PS3 uh, February 2011 and uh, March 15th, the uh, first uh, date for the Xbox and the last one for the PlayStation. Head. Oh, go ahead, man. I was going to say, it's really a game that I feel like a lot of people missed out because, unfortunately, it's digital only, which I wish there was a physical copy of it out there. But yeah, if you didn't have the Xbox Live Marketplace or the PlayStation Store, I mean, I guess it is on Steam now, so you get it there too. But otherwise, there's, there's no physical media for this, which is kind of a shame there. Yeah, and you know, uh, maybe they'll come out with one for the Switch now. But nice. uh, one of the things about this game is I almost never hear anybody talking about it, which I, I find very strange. And I think one of the biggest reasons is because most people don't even know that it's it's a part of the Contra series. Uh, it's actually uh, the 13th game in the series, uh, which it's kind of blew crazy. my mind. I actually didn't actually think the Contra had that many games in it. But I guess it does. Yeah, that would be a quiz. I would fail miserably if you told me to name every Contra game. <laughs> Hey, and, and that's all right. So, uh, and this was also back when Konami actually published games, like good games. So, well, this is important. This is important. This is a relic of our history. And, this is before uh, Pachinko Machines and Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, um, I like Yu-Gi-Oh, but that's otherwise, otherwise that's no good. Konami killed my Castlevania series, so, yeah, uh, sadness. Yes. For but. Sure. Uh, but another interesting thing that I learned about this game when I was doing a little bit of research for the episode, this game was actually developed by Arc System Works, which is, uh, as everybody knows, at this point now that Dragon Ball Fighters has been released, is a very uh, a very popular fighting game development company. And you can tell when you look at the visuals in this game, it's kind of got uh, more of an animated, anime-inspired art style uh, compared to uh, the older Contra games. And that definitely shows off in most of their anime-inspired fighting games, which is pretty cool, distinct, and I think the visuals in this game are super slick and stylized. Yeah, I was going—that's what I was going to say. They're extremely stylized there, and I mean it—it it doesn't really hasn't really aged at all. I mean, it's aged very well, I guess I should say. But yeah, I really can't. I can't really think of too many of, like for. I sometimes I find when they go from a two D game and they they try the. The 2.5D graphics, if you will, sometimes the games uh, graphically don't age that well. I think Contra Shattered Soldier is sort of an example of uh, of that situation, even though I don't think that game actually looks that bad. It's, I think it's, yeah, it's a it's very dark and uh, bland in comparison. Yes, it, and just not as good of a game. Right. Uh, arguably, but well, I don't know. I actually I thought there was a lot to like about that game, but and it was definitely better than Neo. Well, even another kind of example of that, uh, Mega Man X8 has that 2.5D look, and I really am not a huge fan of that style, and I would much rather look at, you know, the first three Xs on the SNES or any of them on the PlayStation there. You know, X4, 5, or 6, I think, look a lot better and hold up better today than X8 did. Which yeah, is a no, I, no, I, to- I totally agree with that. Absolutely. So uh, this game, much like the Contra series, co-op, Platforming, uh, shooting aliens, whatever. I actually don't remember a ton of what you shoot in this game, uh, but I'm pretty sure it was aliens and then some some cyborg fodder. Yeah, yeah. From from what I remember, and I haven't played this game in a couple of years at least. Um, there's a there is a ton of just really well designed bosses, and they're usually more than one per level, and that's that's pretty much a staple for the Contra series. But the one thing that I really liked about this game compared to uh, probably all the other Contra games except for Contra 3 is just the the variety in the ways that you, you go through the levels, kind of like in Contra 3 where you kind of like grab onto the missiles during some of the levels and you have to jump between them while they're getting blown up while also shooting at enemies. That stuff was super fun, and this game has some very, very creative levels that uh, take advantage of that. And I remember, too, uh, like you said, it's been a while since we played it. I want to say it was probably 2012 or so. Yeah, well, like I said, two two years. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember a lot of the characters actually playing different, too, which is something that never really happened up to that point in the Contra series that I can remember. Oh, absolutely. I think just, like, the two main characters, I think the game came with two or three characters out of the box, and then I think there was a couple extra ones that were released as DLC. Uh, which was cool. I actually bought some of that. I think actually my favorite character. I think his name was Leviathan. He was, he was a character that uh, was super quick, had low health, and his, his, uh, he had a special skill where he could, uh, I think he could like throw unlimited grenades. And that was super cool. And I think all of the the characters actually had slightly different weaponry. I want to say. Yeah, and I want to say there was a guy that was like a samurai that specialized in close-range weapons too, which was pretty new to the series. Yes, it's super hard to use. That too, yeah. Yeah, sure. I, that blew my mind. I was like, I, I'm sure there's somebody out there who's done a no-hit run, mastered it with that character. That's super, super awesome. One of the one of the things that that game evolved on the you know, the Contra formula was they actually had two different uh, modes of play. One was just a, a basic arcade mode like you would expect. You have a set number of lives and you try to get through the six stages in the game. But they also had the rising mode uh, or the uprising mode. I can't remember which one it was. But it was basically a progression uh, with RPG elements. As you're as you're fighting enemies, you're gaining cash or experience, whatever it was. And you'd buy, uh, you know, extra health, new moves, and I thought that was super fun, and it also made the game more accessible for, for new players that aren't used to the kind of brutal difficulty that game had. Yeah, and if this released, it would have released maybe five years later, it would have been probably thrown in the the roguelike genre that's so popular these days. Yeah, I mean, that kind of makes sense, because I, I remember just farming levels over and over again, um, and... Uh, you kind of had to because the game was brutal. Uh, you, you basically power up your weapons, get more health. I think you could buy like extra lives um, and extra continues, things like that, which were absolutely necessary. But I mean, the game was so fun and fluid that honestly, it never really felt like a chore. And yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I want to say the more time you play too, the more uh, lives or continues maybe you kind of unlock there, if I'm remembering right. I actually don't think it was like Ikaruga. I think that's what you're thinking, where, like, the amount of time you played it, you got extra lives. Um, I think you actually had to purchase extra lives for each character, like you did your abilities. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to hold you at the stake (laughs) on that one, but I I feel like that was true. But I know what you're getting at. Um, But, no, yeah, that was was a a really cool game that kind of came out of left field. Like, I didn't know it was coming out. I don't think you did. No, I I, I, you just uh, downloaded it one day for I want to say was it for the Xbox Live Marketplace you got with. Yeah, Xbox Live. I'm pretty sure it was 15 bucks when it came out. Um, I w- I was sold just at looking at a couple of, of images of the game online, and uh, I mean that that's pretty much uh, my history with it. And it w- I think it was actually maybe one of the first games that I bought on my Xbox Live Arcade, which was uh, an yes. amazing. <laughs> An amazing platform because it was the only, yeah, is the only reason I had an Xbox 360. So yeah, that, was, uh, that was really we got all the you know Nintendo's had the Indie Direct come out lately and all the indies are huge now. That was really the starting point with the uh, the live marketplace there. Yeah, that 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 really bolstered uh, people's interest and definitely awareness, which was which was fantastic. And I had there's there's actually probably several games. Uh, that came out around that time that I could put on this list, but we could drown. Crashers be... is another one that I just give an honorable mention to that's not quite, didn't quite make the list there, but it was a lot of fun that came around in the same time, same era there. Yeah, I think that one actually may have come out a little bit sooner, maybe 2010, but uh, about a, right. yeah, no, that, that that was a great uh, beat-em-up, multiplayer to play with four people. Uh, super fun, actually really long, too. For, for a beat-em-up like that, and had like I think that's like 60 levels or something crazy. Yeah, multiple paths there, a lot of levels, a lot of different items and options you could have. You level up your abilities. Yeah, it was a lot of fun for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, not one that I played a ton, but uh, I did play it a little bit and definitely appreciated it. It's not a game that I would, I would probably tell people to go play by themselves. Um, I think it's a little boring if you try it by yourself, because I think a lot of the enemies were kind of like, Kind of spongy, they had a lot of health, especially the bosses. So yeah, playing, sure. playing it with a group, definitely the way to go. Uh, so uh, gotta, I think both of us have at least five more games that we wanted to talk about. Um, I think the next set we're going to talk about, um, I wanted to bring up Gauntlet Dark Legacy. Basically any of the Gauntlet games um, from, the, uh, from the arcade um, basically back in 2000. Uh, Gauntlets, I want that's to say... Nice. They're really well, yeah, yeah, it was Gauntlet Legends, came out in the arcade in 2000, got ported to the PS2. Um, well, Gauntlet Legends got ported to um N64, that, if I actually have it on. That's right. P- actually, PS1 and Dreamcast, too. Yes, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. So, actually, no, it came out in the arcade in 98, just make sh- make sure I'm not a liar here, 98, <laughs> and then 99, it got ported to the rest of those systems. And... Uh, I think we originally played it on the Nintendo 64 first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think, think I got it, like, a I want to say, like, Christmas in 99, I got it as a present, and we put a lot of hours into that. A- absolutely. Actually, I, we had multiple friends uh, in mm-hmm. our hometown that had that game, and it was, it was a blast because on the 64, uh, very easy to set up four-player co-op. You could do it in that game. And for for an RPG... It's very accessible for people that don't necessarily like the depth and kind of what people may consider clunkiness of an RPG. Yeah, it, it, it's not. You don't really have to do a ton of, of thinking. It's definitely more of an arcade experience, and it's it, it's great for that. It's great for uh, pick up and play. You only have to play it for half hour to an hour, and you save in between the levels. And there's there's a ton of levels, uh, much like Castle Crashers. I think there was maybe upwards of thirty to forty levels actually in the first uh, Gauntlet Legends uh, but Gauntlet Dark Legacy came out later uh, which came out in the arcade in 2000 and then was ported to PS2 in 2001 and the GameCube in 2002 uh, and my favorite version is uh, the GameCube version just because it's got a few extra items um, and the you like the, the i was just gonna say the four player accessibility there we could just plug the controllers and so not have to mess with the multi-tap which i mean who honestly had those that, that's right and and thank you nintendo i appreciate that trying to keep that alive still trying to do it with the switch that's and right. i actually think a fun fact about that i don't i think the ps2 one is actually only two players really? i think i read that somewhere back in the day when i was trying to figure out which version i wanted that was a turnoff for me but I may be wrong about that. Uh, this was yeah. a game. Oh, but, go ahead. Okay, this was a game that I actually ended up uh, playing with my dad, which was which was super fun. And uh, my dad didn't necessarily play a whole lot of games with me. He appreciated games a lot and uh, liked to do uh, like to collect them with me, and that was that was very fun. Um, but this is one of the first games I remember we played together. We played on the N64. We finished it. Super good memory. Uh, and that just kind of proves that people who don't play a whole lot of video games, this is actually a good starting point if you want to introduce games to, to people who aren't necessarily a fan or a little intimidated. Yeah, so definitely a good entry point for sure. That and definitely a ton of replay value. This game, especially Dark Legacy... I think it had twice as many characters as the original. So I think it was like, I don't know, if you unlocked all the characters, it was like 16. And while they're not a ton different, um, I just leveling up, leveling up different characters with your friends. It, it's a pretty laid back good time. I, I definitely appreciate it. It's actually probably my, in my top 20 favorite games of all time. It's a game I go back to constantly. And if I have a, if I have a small get together at my house, it's one that I will, I will often pull out. And kind of unlike Hardcore Uprising there, you can kind of just play this, sit back, and chill, whereas you're playing Hardcore Uprising there, you have to uh, be ready and alert 24-7. So it's nice to just be able to kick back, uh, hang out with your friends, just talk, have some good conversation, just, you know, enjoy some gauntlet. Six packs aren't bad either. It all all goes well together. I've definitely done that with this one. Uh, Yeah, absolutely fun. So, Buck, what's your next? Well, next up is uh, not one that most people probably think about beyond here, but it's actually Dragon Quest Nine. Ooh, buddy. Yeah, and I'm just a huge fan of RPGs, or more specifically, I'd say just JRPGs in general. And I actually have the, the ability to be able to go into to true multiplayer if you're lucky enough to have uh, friends with the game and nearby, which I'm sure a lot of people that had the DS didn't really have that luxury, but I mean... We were lucky there. We had us and another friend that also owned the game. And uh, to get the traditional RPG experience where you're all controlling, you know, your own unique character that you built up in your own game and actually be able to go into someone else's game and actually, you know, help them complete the story or just... They had all kinds of extra missions, too, where they had... I believe it was treasure maps. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's what they were called. Yeah, that you, you found them, I believe, while you were... I guess that was all completely post-game. I, I, fe- I felt like you randomly found... You got a couple of them, like, when you finished the game, and then you started doing them, and each one that you finished, you got another treasure map, and they were kind of, like, randomly generated dungeons, uh, and they all had... Uh, did they all have, like, enemy levels associated with them? Yeah, the more you beat them, too, the boss is, like, leveled up inside there. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, so there's... You got stronger, than the, they got stronger with you, so it's kind of a... A mixture. It's definitely a traditional RPG, but had a little bit of an MMO-style element in there, too, which was kind of cool. Well, I think actually the best part about that is you actually didn't have to engage in it if you didn't want to. Because a lot of people who love the Dragon Quest series, you know, they tend to like it for the the traditional, the probably overly traditional RPG series that it is. And actually, when I originally got it, I didn't anticipate it that it was going to be a full-fledged, a full-fledged traditional game like all of the other previous ones. I thought that it was going to be more focused and maybe even you were only controlling one character uh, because you you basically take your character, your main character that you created at the beginning of the game, into your friend's world. You don't take the rest of your characters with you. Yeah, and you actually, like at the beginning of the game, you create a whole party and say, if you were going to come into my game, I could just take you know three out of my four characters and leave one spot open for you, and you could actually... Run around on different parts of the map and get in fights by yourself in my world if you wanted to, or join up with my group too, which was definitely interesting. Like if you got in a random battle, I remember I could hit a button and automatically like go to the the fight you were in there. We could both kind of explore simultaneously in the same game as different characters. Yeah, no, it was definitely unique. I don't, I can't think of any game since that's actually done that. That's what I was just going to say. I don't think any game I can even think of that's a, just a traditional style RPG there, turn-based, that's done anything like that. It was really unique and still is. And I feel like, unfortunately, a lot of people missed it because it was on the DS. You did, uh, Everyone had to have a DS and everyone had to have the game, which probably wasn't a huge system seller at the time back in, I want to say it was 2010 when it came out. I believe it was July of 2010, if I remember right. We had just, or I'd just gotten out of college shortly after that. So, yeah, it been July 2010, it came out there. So, yeah, that was a great game and definitely some good memories, and I feel like uh, just not enough people got to experience that. If you get the chance, you should definitely check it out. No, absolutely, absolutely. Definitely, actually, probably one of my favorite DS games, probably in my top five. Yeah, the, sure. Yeah, I think it might be in my... Like you said, it's definitely in my top 20, if not top 10 games, just of all time, period. No, absolutely. Are you excited for 11? It comes out on the 4th, I yeah. think. Yeah, out Tuesday. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Actually, it looks super cool. It doesn't have any of the features that we've been talking about. <laughs> but it's not an MMO. I was actually kind of hoping we would get 10 here, but we didn't. That would have been nice. But yeah, I mean, I'm surprised we didn't get 10. I know it originally came out on the Wii, but I think they poured it to some other systems too, or I could be wrong. Mm, I didn't I didn't follow it that heavily because it was pretty off my radar at that point. But yeah, no, eleven looks super cool, and I'm definitely considering picking it up. Yeah, um, probably will if not immediately. Um, like coming up soon, it'll probably be within the next few weeks a month here. Yeah, it definitely gives me a strong kind of memories of definitely Dragon Warrior eight or Dragon Quest eight, I should say. Uh, and eight and two are my two favorite Dragon Quest games. I think besides nine, I think three's up there with me too. You just love your job systems. I understand. It's awesome. It, you no, know, you're right. It and yeah. the whole party—that's good too. Well, yeah. So no wonder you liked nine. <laughs> there are two Ps for you. Also, very cool. So we'll uh, we'll go ahead and move on. Um, my next one is a uh, an action platformer, kind of like Hardcore Uprising and that's the Sega Genesis Classic Gunstar Heroes. Uh, I don't think this game probably needs any introduction. I think most people that uh, know even just a little bit about uh, classic games on the Sega Genesis have probably heard of this one. Uh, It was one of Treasure's very, very first games, uh, as far as I'm aware, and they hit it out of the park on this one. Yeah, another great company that's unfortunately not around anymore, Treasure was uh, great with uh, especially the shooters and stylized games. And it's impossible not to play, you know, Gunstar Heroes and just not have a smile on your face and be having a good time. Oh, yeah, it, it's absolutely fantastic. Just two-player co-op, just frantic, frantic action. And one of the, I think one of the best parts about these kind of games, especially uh, from that era, is that they're not a time commitment. You could probably finish this game, and I want to say about an hour and a half, and it's it's not a difficult game. So if you just want to kick back with a buddy, it's perfect. Yeah, and that's something we uh, especially appreciate in this time of age, being a, you know, this time of day being a little bit older and not having as much uh, time on our hands anymore, so. No, ab- absolutely. And don't have any of that anymore. <laughs> uh, Gunstar Heroes actually had a super cool uh, gimmick to it, which was when you're running through levels, you'd, You'd pick up these different elemental orbs, which basically just represented different weapons. And I think there was four or five different elemental orbs that you could pick up. And when you held the two of them, you could swap between them to get uh, the different weapons, whatever they were, like a, a laser that shoots straight or like a homing gun. And then if you could also combine them. So And when you combine them, they'd, it'd kind of create a weapon that was like, The best of both worlds. So basically the homing gun and the laser, it would just be a homing laser that just... You just run and shoot and everything dies, which is part of why the game was so easy. Some of those weapon combinations were ridiculous. And especially playing it for the first time or the first couple times, just learning combinations is a ton of fun. Oh, absolutely. And you can't forget grabbing enemies and throwing them around. That should be in every game. Or grabbing your buddy and chucking them around, too. That's That's true. That's true. It doesn't hurt them, which... It may turn somebody off, but it it was absolutely – you could use your your co-op buddy as a weapon. You could just throw them through enemies. super fun. Appreciate Yeah, absolutely. And that game had some some very, very creative bosses, and it also had – I want to say actually one of the last levels. Wasn't it like a side-scrolling shooter, or was it like asteroids or something? You got in a spaceship – that was definitely in there. I remember they had a board game level, which was a uh, kind of oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, oh that sweet. was amazing. Yeah, you rolled a dice, like kind of like Mario Party style, and it kind of picked what levels and what bosses you had to fight going through that stage. So that was actually one of the most fun because you know that level was different pretty much every time you played it. Yeah, it's a total crapshoot. I don't. Have you played Cuphead at all? I know you. Didn't do it. I I haven't it, played on a uh, played on my Xbox though. But uh, it's a, it has a level a lot like that. That's a, a great time there, kind of a, a boss rush level there where you roll the dice and fight different bosses based on the dice roll, and that kind of... Every time I play that level, it just reminds me of Gunstar Heroes there. Oh, absolutely. That, that, that's probably my favorite level. Now that I think about it, I'd almost forgotten about it. Uh, <laughs> super fun, absolutely. I, I can't think of a time when I'm playing that game where I'm not having a good time, and I think that is... Partially, or probably mostly, because it's just a fantastic game. Uh, the graphics hold up super well. They're super stylized, kind of, kind of anime ins, uh, inspired uh, to, to a to a great extent, and um, it's just it's not a stressful game to play. No, it's so, fair and not frustrating. Right, and you, I think you have unlimited lives, so you get through it every time if you have the time and the willpower. <laughs> Absolutely, so that that's a bonus. Actually, I actually think was that was that a, one of the co-op games where some some co-op games do this, uh, especially back in the day. And sometimes I appreciated it. Sometimes I didn't. If one of your buddies died, couldn't you sacrifice like half your health to bring him back? And yeah, couldn't uh-huh. sacrifice half, half your health or steal lives? There was, yeah, it was half your health there. Yeah, because I don't think you I don't think you actually had lives in that game. I think it was all continues. Because once you ran out of health, you kind of had to start over from a checkpoint or something like that. So that was cool. That was so you didn't always have to revive, I don't think. I can't remember if it was the player who died's choice or the player that was still alive. So you kind of screw over your friend or something like that. But I can't I can't remember, but I think that was part of it. A lot of old school beat em ups had that feature. You could just straight up steal a life and it wasn't as bad in Gunstar Heroes there but no. And I I I think we also we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the Game Boy Advance sequel that came out. I want to say uh, I was early 2000s. 2002 or 3, probably. Yeah, and that game, while it was a good game, did not hold a candle to the original. Definitely not. Was it even multiplayer if you had a link cable? Because it was on the Game Boy Advance, which, also, which made it more difficult. I mean, I feel like it would have had to have been, but I know we both had it, and I don't think we ever played a multiplayer, so maybe it wasn't. Right, which surprises me. Did we have a link cable? For the Game Boy Advance? I can't even remember. We definitely had one for Pokemon back in the day for the old school Game Boys, but I don't think we had one for Advance. Yeah, that, that could be why, but for whatever whatever reason, I'm remembering that that was one of the, the big issues with that game is it may have not been multiplayer, and that's that's missing the point. Yeah, and if, even if it was, we didn't experience a multiplayer with it, so we didn't get the the full Gunstar Heroes experience for Game right. Boy Right, Gunstar Superheroes, actually, I think is the name of it. I think I think that's accurate. Yeah, and you know what? If you if you found it for cheap, which I bet you can't anymore, because I bet that game's probably pretty hard to find. It it, it's definitely probably worth a playthrough, but it's I don't necessarily think it's worth owning. Yeah, but don't don't break the bank to get it. (laughs) Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So what you got next? The next one here is an uh, old school classic that I uh, first originally played on the Genesis. I think it came out in arcades before that, but it is Forgotten Worlds. And it's an old school shooter that you actually, um, you float in the air, you don't really walk there. Uh, You pick one or two guys there and you uh, float through. It's kind of like an an on-rail shooter almost. And you go straight through the levels there, and uh, it's one of my first games I got for the Genesis back in, I want to say, like, 93. And I just put so many hours into it. It's a ton of fun. It's a little bit of like a, a play on contra, except instead of uh, walking and jumping, you're constantly floating through, and you can uh, move your guns in any direction. It's a, a ton of fun and not super hard. The only way to actually die in the game, period, is if you both die at the same time. So it's not a super stressful one. It could help um, my young self could you know easily get through the levels, which was nice. And it's just one that I always go back to. And um, you know, it only takes about uh, like Chuck said, Gunstar Heroes it takes about an hour, hour and a half to get through, which is super nice. So it's not a time commitment there, and it's just a ton of fun to play. Oh, absolutely! I've played through it. Uh, probably not nearly as much as you have. Uh, I have a copy, and I've probably played through it. I've probably played through it two or three times with you. And one of my favorite things about it, and I, it, I really like this in my co-op beat-em-ups, is the fact that when you're going through the levels and you're killing things, you are getting cash that you can use to upgrade your character's guns. You can buy different guns. And uh, some of those are definitely make uh, certain bosses and levels a lot easier and definitely makes playthroughs different because those guns are expensive. you got to plan what you're going to yeah. get flamethrower, homing rockets, I remember. You could also buy armor and things like that, too, to help uh, buff yourself up there. And then I remember, too, they had the feature where if you stayed uh, close to your buddy there, your both your firepower actually got it got a little boost if you stayed close together, and there's kind of a, like an energy surrounding you then, which was kind of cool and a little bit of a different feature. Yeah, no, that, that was pretty cool, although in a game like that, you typically standing in the same standing in the same spot is, is a death wish because, as we mentioned before, if you both die, then you have to start the level over, or at least at a checkpoint. So, I mean, take the good with the bad. Sometimes it's better, sometimes it's not. Well, thanks uh, Genesis version, I even want to say. It was just a straight game over. You were done out of the game, period. Uh, I don't remember that, but, hey. We also fun. played it, too. I know it uh, got released on several of the Capcom Classics collections there. Oh yeah, that that's true. Yeah, and we didn't re- we didn't mention that it, it was released by Capcom back in their heyday when they were still putting out good games. That's Although true. they're getting they're back there. Back. Fingers crossed. I'm not not giving them that much credit yet. Back. I think one thing that people will will find very very different about this game, definitely the way you control your character and you you fire. It's it's almost like a space shooter kind of like hybridized with a uh, what do I want to say a twin stick shooter. Yeah, I mean, it's very unique. Like a kind of a. If it was developed these days, it definitely the controls would be a twin stick shooter. Yeah, it's it, it's very different, and I'm not saying that it would necessarily control any better because if I remember correctly, did you did you hold down, like, the A and C button to rotate in different directions, something like that? Yeah, absolutely, and I remember in, like, B was fire, but I used to set the auto-fire on, so it would fire automatically, and I just had to worry about rotating the gun in whatever direction I needed to go. Yeah, so so when people play that game now, and they, they've never played it before, that, I don't I don't want to say that may turn them off, so they'll be like, what is this control scheme? This is really strange, but it, it's definitely... Uh, very unique and, and and worth checking out. So it's an absolutely great game. Yeah, hundred percent. And I actually don't think it's it's that expensive. Uh, I think it is. Plus, it's come out on several different collections there. So even yeah. if you have some type of a uh, Genesis or Capcom collection, there's a good shot it will be on there. I have at least a a few times over with the different Capcom collections, and probably one with the Genesis collection too. Right, absolutely. And the ones specifically he's talking about are the Capcom Classics Collection 1 and 2. I don't remember which one it's on. I want to say it's the second one. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a coin flip. Just get one of them. If it doesn't have it, buy the other one. Uh, those both came out on the PS2 and Xbox. And PSP. And the PSP. There you remember, go. There you go. There. I didn't know that.
1: Maybe it digital on
0: there, so. Yeah. Very, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, de- definitely pick those up. There's so many good games on both of those, you can't go wrong. And most of them are co-op games. That's true. So, co-op, Capcom, classic arcade games. So, go pick that up. <laughs> so, the next one on my list, uh, I'm going to go for a one of my favorite beat 'em up games on the Super Nintendo, and that is Sonic Blast Man 2, which does not get enough credit and does not get talked about. Nearly enough, as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, that's a it's a phenomenal game, Sonic Blast Man, and I believe good old Captain Shoyer's a sidekick. Oh yes, Captain Shoyer and oh, was it Sonia? Was was that the, was that the <laughs> role so. that nobody plays? Yes. Because Captain Shoyer and Sonic Blast Man are just super cool, and that's not a sexist comment. They're just <laughs> super. Fun. They're just super fun. One of my favorite things about that game is I I, I don't know how many times I've played through it. Probably 20, 30 times. And I remember the first couple of times we played it, every time we played it, we'd find, like, a new special move for each one of our characters. There's a surprising amount of depth to the combat system, even though you could just, you know, mash the, the X button to get through. Um Yeah, so you you have your basic punches and kicks, and you also have, I, I believe uh, the way it works is every life you get, every every time you revive, you get a couple of like special uh, power points, and you can use those to use uh, special types of moves. Be it like uh, kind of like a projectile that will kill a bunch of enemies in the in a line, or if you use like five of them, I think you do just like a screen clearing attack. And what happens is while you're fi- while you know while you're gaining points while you're going through the levels or uh, destroying destructible environments, you'll pick up these extra points, and they'll 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 help you do those attacks. And those are those are some glorious attacks right there. Oh, yeah, for sure. And like you said, the game was a ton of fun. and It still actually, you know, looks pretty good to this day. I mean, it's really stylized sprites there. Oh, yeah. no, absolutely. It looks way better than the first one, which is a terrible game. <laughs> <laughs> it's only one player, isn't it? Well, it's only one player, super slow movement. I. It, it was a... It was a good starting off block, I guess, but Sonic Blast Man 2, it, it's just like one of those sequels that you wouldn't expect from a game of just that mediocre, borderline not good. Like, just they approved on everything like five times over. It was crazy. Yeah, um, and that just made be, J- me being a mega fan. I don't know. I feel like it was Jellico that made that. They made a lot of brawlers. It was actually Taito. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that game came out on the Super Nintendo in 1994. Um, and super, super fun. And, and like, a like I was, I was talking about before, uh, that game also had some of the coolest, uh, throwing animations, uh, cause beat em ups, every character needs a throwing animation. <laughs> and a lot of them, like, depending, you'd grab them, and if you hit in different directions, you'd do, uh, different kinds of attacks. Like, obviously, you could throw them across the room. Uh, Sonic Blast Man had kind of like a, <laughs> Like a really cartoony like wind up punch and he'd just like uppercut cut <laughs> him in the head and then he'd just be like, Funny for freedom <laughs> that's a, that's what I was gonna bring up to right when the game came on he'd be like, Fight for Freedom Yeah. Hilarious. And every time you use your, your big uh, room clearing special move with him, he would do that and he'd punch the ground, ten megatons or whatever of electricity <laughs> and he just killed everybody. Super hilarious. So that that's probably my my favorite thing about that game. Plus they totally ripped off uh some type of Mega Man boss. I felt like. Do you remember that that one boss in that airplane that looked like he was r- straight out of Mega Man? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I'm sure he actually wasn't one, but uh, that that game is also uh, for a beat 'em up. Also not that hard. Which, which I feel like I'm just starting to sound like a noob. Like I don't <laughs> like challenging games. I promise you, I do. But in a co-op <laughs> setting, it's not my favorite. I don't want the person that I'm playing games with to be miserable with me. I like to be miserable on my own. So, and this guy's way better at most hard games than I am, so. Man, I feel I just, like we start out with Hardcore. That's a pretty good, you know, that's a hard game right there. No, that is that is a hard game. Nobody's so, heard of it, so they don't know. <laughs> the can't, can't down. base it on anything. That's right. So, uh, yeah, Sonic Blast Man 2, though, definitely check it out. And uh, the next one on the list here uh, really isn't a hard game either, but it's also uh, kind of the same time period there, and it's uh, The King of Dragons, and the one we played the most would be on the, the SNES there, and it's a definitely interesting game, and for uh, an RPG nerd kind of like me, or really like both of us, it was the first game we really played where you got uh, progression along with the, uh, the beat-em-up side of things, which was uh, unique and definitely interesting. No, absolutely. And it was, it was kind of the traditional kind of medieval fantasy, uh, kind of vibe, which was cool. And you would pick a, I think you could pick from like five or six character classes, you know, sort of like Golden Axe, but there was a, there was a few more characters to choose from. And they all had, you know, their, their own armor and, uh, different kind. I think they all had spells too. Um, I mean, Golden Axe did too, but I think they had a, a wider range. And my, definitely my favorite part of it was, uh, besides the graphics, that game is beautiful. Talk about a talk about a two D game that holds up. That one's absolutely gorgeous. But it was when you finish a level and you kill a boss and you just get this giant mountain of loot and it's just like a free for all to get <laughs> pick get up every- different pieces of equipment. Yeah, it's like it's like old school RPGs where there wasn't like uh, where it was a shared loot system and. You didn't care if your friends got anything. You just grabbed whatever. And you got these... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, there's two kinds of level-ups you get there, too. You uh, level up your character just from, you know, experience killing enemies and uh, getting money there. And you also level up your items and really just your weapon. Uh, every level there, too. Your weapon also gets to level up. So you get to see, if you're like a wizard, you get um, these little fireballs you start out with. And by the end of the game, you're... Um, it's pretty much a full-on flamethrower there, so you can see progression there. It's definitely nice and uh good to see there. It's really the first of its kind that did it like that. Oh, absolutely! And the fact that they made it uh, kind of like an aesthetic change too was 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 great. So you feel kind of you, obviously you're more powerful, um, even though I think in a game like that where it actually gets progressively more difficult, you can't really. I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily felt super powerful while I was going through but it was definitely uh, cool to get those upgrades and you just felt more badass. Yeah, and I mean I could, this game definitely still holds up. I was actually just playing it uh, last week in there. I busted it out and played it for a while. So, still holds up. It's a phenomenal game. If you haven't checked out it is in uh, several collections. I think it's in a uh, Capcom Classics Volume 2 and Capcom Classics Reloaded there. So, Capcom, get back to it. <laughs> they need to make Re- a seat. It- remake this Dragon's Crown is not as good as this game. Not even close. Not even close. I I feel like that that is a game that people who like co-op probably should try, but that is a game that I think we could both agree on that we still have not figured out. And what we the tried so is about. Hard to make it too. Yeah, we saw that game in magazines way before it came out and let's, let me repeat that, it's Dragon's Crown. Uh, recently, it got released on the it was it the PS3, and then it recently got released uh, remastered on the PS4. Yeah, and uh, it's basically uh, a medieval fantasy uh, beat 'em up game like this, except it's got much much deeper RPG and equipment system, and it's a much longer game. But it is just uh, boring. Um, is that something missing to it it just feels like i don't know there was something there that you just didn't hook me yeah i guess boring would be a a good way to put it i don't think the encounters were very engaging and it also had just like this this extra fluff of you know equipment management and it had that weird like you had to move the cursor on the screen to find like open doors which like breaks the action like totally removes any immersion that i had when i'm when i'm wanting to play like a beat-em-up like this um, I can appreciate what they tried to do because it it sounds like something that would totally be up my alley and, yeah. and I wish someone would try it again we were so excited for it but man it just didn't I don't, it just didn't click it didn't work out there was something missing that's right I think I even made you you try it again like was that like three or four it must have been more than three or four years ago but I came over and we tried to play it again and you're just like i still don't get it <laughs> then, I, then I went home and played it for an hour, and I was just like, yeah, I'm convinced. I don't get it either. We both, we both own it. We both bought it. <laughs> that's right. So we supported the developer, and we want them to try again. Yeah, just because it's, it's close. King Dragons, yeah, King of Dragons too. Even though uh, Dragon's Crown, was that, by, was that made by... Atlas, maybe? Yeah, that's accurate. 100%. That would have been my first guess there. Didn't look at it, but yeah. No, you. you need, I think you nailed that. I think you, <laughs> you nailed it. On to the next one, there. Yeah, absolutely. So my next one, very, very different. Probably, probably the most uh, unique game. I want to say, and potentially people may be like, "Well, that's not a co-op game." Is Rock Band the whole series? It. it I can't think of a game that I've game series probably that I've played more by myself and with friends in the series. And people, if you don't understand, like it's also one of those things it was a it was kind of a right place, right time thing. Like it was a huge fad um, when we were in college there from about two thousand six to two thousand ten or so I want to say like it was huge. Are you talking mm-hmm. about the fad of rock band or just the fad of music games? Music it, games guitar style right. games. I think Rock Band came out in 07 or eight so came out at the end of 07. But I would just count the original Guitar Hero as the one that really kicked it off, and I want to say that was like 05. Yeah, when the the first Guitar Hero came out, it it was definitely a hit. I don't think it quite... I don't think it quite hit its stride until 2. I think 2 was the game that everybody owned. Or 2. Yeah, everybody owned Guitar Hero 2. Everybody had their plastic guitars that are either broken or just, like, sitting in a closet that nobody wants anymore. Uh, they're actually rock, a lot now too. They're what? They're they're worth quite a bit now. People are paying a decent amount for those on I, check out eBay. I probably need to probably need to unload mine then. I've got <laughs> I, I think I have two that are working somehow, some way. I haven't played uh, hangar six eighteen and oh, gosh. I haven't been practicing. So <laughs> so rock band was uh it was just the the perfect Evolution of, of what the Guitar Hero franchise uh, started. It it was really the only where only way they could go, and I think they they pretty much nailed it uh, on their first outing. They introduced vocals and they introduced um, drums. So you had guitar, bass, drums, and vocals, uh, and you could play all of them simultaneously on the same system. And the, the guitar technology. Uh, I, a lot of people argue that the Rock Band guitar was not as good as the Guitar Hero guitar. I liked it more, but it's probably because I spent more time with it than I did with Guitar Hero. That's what I was going to say. I think it's whatever you get used to there. Right. Well, what I liked was how the buttons were, instead of them being buttons that were sticking out of the neck of the guitar, they were actually, I guess they were inlaid into the neck of the guitar, and you could just like slide across them. It just felt kind of more natural. And didn't look as Fisher-Price either. <laughs> it didn't look as Fisher-Price. It was still plastic, <laughs> but it was a little better. Uh, so, but, and then the drum set that they had with it, uh, while the first iteration of the drum set was not the best, they really nailed uh, the kind of feel uh, of, of what it would be like to try and, and play uh, the drums in a in a music game uh, I guess uh, setting. Uh, I think I'm trying to think where I want to go with that. Well, I was just gonna say just to to piggyback that though. I mean, this just the best thing you can do is just get a group of people together, a group of your friends. Have someone, you know, give. There's something for everybody there. You could play on. You could have somebody that we had a. One of my buddies is a freaking amazing on the rock band drums there he's he's an animal and he play on expert where someone else might not be very good they might just play medium on guitar I mean you can play to your own settings there and I usually get stuck uh, doing the vocals there so singing till I was about horse but it was always a good time oh no absolutely and it's a, it's a game that you know most people can can get behind because most people I, I would say I would argue everybody likes music doesn't matter what kind of music you like, but you probably like music. And if you don't, you're, it's a little weird. Uh, (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And Rock Band, uh, more so than Guitar Hero, had a very diverse group of uh, songs, even just on the first couple of games. But the best thing about Rock Band is the fact that they released songs, uh, a few songs every week, Uh, and, and actually they're... Once Rock Band 4 came out, they're actually still doing it now. So you could, if you really got into the game, you could have a very, very expansive catalog. And when you have friends over again, it's always kind of a new experience. You're not necessarily playing the same songs over and over again. Yeah, I'd hate to guess how much money. I know you probably spent a lot, but uh, when there, spent, I don't know how much he spent. He had to spend hundreds of dollars. <laughs> Oh well, I, I promise you, I spent hundreds of dollars too. Probably <laughs> closer to a thousand after I bought all of the games and all of the music because I pretty much, yeah, I bought every Rock Band game, uh, from the Beatles for, uh, Lego Rock Band. Green Day. Uh, <laughs> Green Day. We had such a good time with Green Day. Actually, something cool to add to that. Uh, Green Day Rock Band and Rock Band 3 actually added even more co-op experience oh, to that it. Great, ab- absolutely. So you could have three people singing simultaneously. So you could actually play with six people. And they'd have harmonies in the song and you try to you know match different pitches and things like that. And it can't tell you how fun that was. One person on awful vocals, you get three people on terrible vocals and it's, that's a great time. Absolutely. I, I would argue that Rock Band is probably the quintessential party game. Uh, for If you just want to play video games, but you're having people come over, and maybe they're not that into video games, this this is definitely the one to pull out. Um, and it's it's definitely one I'll go back to. I, I definitely keep all of my instruments every time I move. That way, in case I, I want to play or I have people come over. Absolutely fantastic. Definitely the best non-gamer game on this list, for sure. Right. Uh, I know I don't, I definitely don't play a whole lot of non-gamer games, whatever that means. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But Rock Band is probably the most uh, casual, casual, maybe mainstream game that that I, I really, really enjoy. Absolutely. So what you got next? Alright, next is a, an old classic on the good old Nintendo Entertainment System. Well, I guess it also came out in arcades, but I played it more on the NES there. And that'd be uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 there, or Turtles the Arcade Game, whatever you want to call it. It's one of the first uh, old school beat-em-ups that I played back in the day. And um, so much fun playing this uh, with my brother and uh, some neighbors back in the day. We could play this for hours going through, and then um, being pretty little at the time, it was... a uh, Pretty tough game, but uh, we did get mighty good at it by the end, and it wasn't um, super hard there, but definitely harder than, like, Gunstar Heroes or something like that. There is limited continue system there, but especially liking uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles way back in the day, it was one of the best licensed games I can remember. And, again, this is from Konami back when Konami was uh, not cool money and uh, actually made some great games there. Absolutely, absolutely. This was... This was a Nintendo hard game. This was one of those games that you would get, and it would take you probably at least a week or so of just straight playing it to get through it. It is it is a tough, tough game, uh, even even with help. And I would say, I, I would say pretty much all of the Turtles games were great on the Nintendo. Oh yeah, uh, well, the Turtles one was terrible. That was nothing like the others. Turtles two and three, or Turtles the arcade game, and Turtles three, those were great games. Yes, uh, Turtles Three is the Manhattan Project. Definitely my favorite one. Uh, I don't know why, but I think it was just—I uh, believe they it had, had a lot supers to each character too, in that one, which was cool. It yeah, had supers. I think the uh, the character models were much bigger. It had some a killer soundtrack too. Uh, but that's but that's not my game that I'm talking about. Let's <laughs> <laughs> well, just just go into Turtles Three. Yeah. No, I mean, Turtles 3 was more just, uh, Turtles 2 established the formula, laid the foundation of what Turtles 3 would become there. So they're both great games. You get a chance, uh, pick them up. I'm sure they're released on, you know, every virtual console known to man. If Nintendo's releasing their games or they've got their online system coming up, they might throw it back out there again. But it's definitely worth a look. No, absolutely. And I actually think that that game, if you can find it in an arcade setting, that's the way to play it. Oh, you, can't, you can't play the Manhattan Project on the arcade, because I don't believe it ever came out. No, it was just a NES exclusive there. Yeah, so you definitely try and play it in the arcade, but if you can't... I, I, I can't say I've seen that game in the arcades probably more than once in the last ten years. Yeah, I mean, I remember they had the Holiday Inn close to where we um, grew up back in the day for a while, but that's been... Ooh, we're talking early '90s now, so that's been a while. Yeah, absolutely, and that's a game I don't have a ton of. Uh, I don't have a ton of experience with. That's why I went straight to the Manhattan Project. Uh, but definitely a cool Nintendo game for sure. Uh, and a lot of Nintendo games, uh, at least I feel like personally, don't hold up that well. It's kind of a. There's a lot of nostalgia on there. I mean, the Mega Man games hold up well, and there's certainly you know a handful of others that hold up great. Mario three, of course, but yeah, um, Turtles two and Turtles three are two of the the Nintendo games that really uh, hold out exceptionally well, and they hold up still to this day. Yeah, I would I would argue they're probably some of the only really good beat-em-ups besides uh, a Double Dragons that really holds up from the original Nintendo. One more I'd throw out would be Monsters in My Pocket. It's actually a phenomenal. Uh, isn't, that a, isn't that a side-scroller, though? That is. It's it's a side-scroller, but it's kind of a beat-em-up there, too. Oh, okay. I mean, it has, yeah. like, uh, bosses at the end of every stage and stuff. It's, it's I'd say it's more of a beat-em-up there. It's co-op. Well, I'll agree with you. It's a sweet game. I can do that. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, well, we'll go on to my next one. And I think uh, these two games for us, uh, they are, they're from the same series. And uh, one's a little bit older than the other. Uh, but they definitely show an, an evolution in the way uh, that that co-op gaming has been changing, and maybe not for the better. Uh, but I'll, I'll go ahead with mine. my Fantasy Star Online, uh, pretty much any of the versions. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, talking couch co-op, it'd specifically be the the GameCube version There is the one that at least I personally put the most hours in because we could actually – um, growing up in a kind of a rural town in Indiana, we didn't really have access to, to high-speed internet back in the day. So, no, absolutely. And this was back when Sega made good games. So <laughs> yeah, here we go, uh, bashing on classic companies who aren't making <laughs> using any of their IPs anymore, which is such a shame. Yeah, we're making a lot of enemies in the first episode here. Are we? Are they listening? Really? <laughs> If they're if they're listening and they want to write me an angry letter, they can go for it. But I'd rather them make good games. Now, uh, so the the original Fantasy Star Online uh, was definitely a huge departure from the series. Uh, up until that point, it was basically Fantasy Star one through four on the Sega Genesis, classic uh, classic RPGs, excellent sci-fi inspired. Fantasy Star Online took that formula and brought it into a Third-person, 3D, uh, RPG setting, and uh, I think it would be arguable that... Actually, it's not even arguable. PSO was the very first NMO-esque game on a console. Yeah, for sure. And it even and, had, like, it had translate features and everything, so you could play with people from Japan that would actually translate what you said to them from, like, set commands. I mean, it had everything. It was ahead of its time, for sure. Much like the system it was on, the Dreamcast. Uh, so it came out in 2000, and you could play it, up, play it over dial-up, which was insane. I never got a chance to do that back then, but it sounded cool. Okay. We did try and failed. <laughs> uh, I, I spent weeks trying to do that, and uh, I, I failed, but now I can play uh, versions of it online uh, if I want. But it wasn't until uh, Episode 1 and 2 came out on the GameCube in 2003, I want to say. And it combined the uh, version one and version two from the Dreamcast, and then an extra episode of chapters, uh, extra weapons, things like that, and also had the four player uh, split screen mode on the GameCube. It was it was fantastic. Yeah, it was a phenomenal game, and I mean, I put we both um, owned it back on the Dreamcast. I mean, I think I owned version two back in the day, and you may have had both of them. I did, yeah. But that was the first time we could actually play together since, like I said, we were kind of, um, grew up a little bit in the middle of nowhere there and didn't really have access to the uh, online internet or, you know, decent internet back in the day there, back in the early 2000s. Yeah. It did not stop me from putting hundreds of hours into this game, though. Yes, for sure. uh, By yourself, yeah. And then we could actually, you know, get us and some other buddies there together and play, you know, split-screen co-op. That was, that was great. Yeah, that was super fun. And one of the cool things about uh, PSO uh, was the fact that when you're playing the split screen co-op, a lot of games uh, that are RPGs like this, they're really frustrating to play because sometimes you got to wait for like your partners to go through their inventory and equip their weapons and stuff. Uh, but you actually uh, got your own screen, obviously. But they never, they never made uh, the menus or anything. Trying to kind of like go over everybody's screen, that way they could actually read it. You just had to get really close to the TV, put on your bifocals, and hope that you equipped the right weapon. Yeah, and and, I remember um, the old school TV that I had at the time, was it, like the bottom half oh, of it was That's uh, terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> so you got like a fourth of a screen. Yeah, you had to rochambeau for like first and second player. It was crazy. I remember that. Good times. Good, good times.
1: But, yeah, but I so- mean...
0: I remember, and I was just going to say in that one too, I remember one kind of infuriating thing was the rare drops. It was just first come, first serve there if you were in a group. Oh, absolutely. So that was awesome. Online, was- online and yeah. offline. Yeah. And, yeah, you had to be quick. And this game is not a – I don't want to say it's a fast-paced game. A lot of people would actually say it's pretty clunky. Um, not – not necessarily Resident Evil, like the original uh, the original Resident Evil uh, with the tank controls, but it is fairly s- a slow-paced game in the way you got to auto-aim and kind of got to make sure you're actually looking at the enemy before you start attacking them. Well, and then like the, the combat's like a, a combo system there, if you want to call it that, where it's uh, it's time button presses, so you can't mash it. Like if you don't hit it at the right time, then your combo just dies. That's true, and I had a friend that couldn't figure it out. <laughs> and it blew my mind. It's yeah. kind of just one, two, three. That's all you had to do. It well, wasn't difficult. You, could, you just couldn't mash it. Uh, but, I mean, that in itself, it was en- it was engaging enough, especially if you were playing with people. And uh, you, they had different classes, obviously. They had, like, warriors and mages and things like that. But it was all in a sci-fi setting, so uh, it was definitely unique in that aspect. And it... it it got me addicted more than probably any game that I had played up until that point, besides Pokemon. Yeah, absolutely. And you could um, create your own character from scratch there, which was um, a pretty rare feature back in the day. You yeah. Guys, I... um, just create a character and decide what they look like and name and everything. And uh, even though there weren't many options, like anything like there is now, if you you know, go to any character creator in Monster Hunter World or Skyrim or anything like that. But it was pretty mind-blowing back in the day to have, you know, 10 different hairstyles and options and clothes and everything else. Like, whoa, my dude is super unique. This is awesome. That's right. Yeah, no, that that was super cool. I remember one thing that we had a super good time with, and it, it definitely helped out with online play, is you, even before, like, emojis were popular, you could make your own, like, you could customize your own, uh, like, chat bubbles that would come out while you're playing, and you could put, like, preset uh, phrases yeah, and different pieces of art in them. And, yeah, uh, there, there were some very well-made ones and some that you probably shouldn't show to your mom. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And then I remember in fantasy Star 3 for the GameCube, the card-based one, if you started putting in uh, words in that you shouldn't necessarily be saying online, they would just censor them out for you. Yes. And they should have censored out that game because Fantasy Star Online Three is not a good game. It's, it's not a very, terrible, but it's it shouldn't be a Fantasy Star Online Three. It should be a have cool been a Fantasy Star Card game. Yeah, battle. Fantasy Star Card Online Battle game. I don't really love too much. Uh, it, it was just disappointing after after this game and what it brought to the table to have like none of the none of the exploring assets. You're not. Picking up equipment, you're just kind of just playing preset uh, characters, uh, getting new cards, and kind of just trying to figure out how to use those in a turn-based card combat system. I don't know. It was not yeah. for me, and I probably played it for ten hours and put it down. I'm surprised. I I don't know if I put ten hours into it, but no, it wasn't like it wasn't a great card game or a great Fancy Star game. So that's uh, it was okay at both and made for an okay game right and before we leave this game i I gotta say if you guys are interested in playing it uh there is a version called uh blue burst that you can play online uh they have private servers and you can play it online and it's basically uh kind of a recreated version of episode one and two uh with a lot of extra content and i think it actually has uh, a whole other level added onto it and then a bunch of new weapons uh and you can play it online with people. It's super fun. It keeps all of the same uh, combat and controls. Definitely worth looking into because Fantasy Starline is actually, if you're trying to get the GameCube versions, it is actually a fairly pricey game. I think it's upwards of between probably sixty and eighty bucks, maybe more now. Yeah, I mean, it was even back in the day. It was pretty pricey. See, I haven't looked in a while, but yeah, I'd say it probably uh, it's a pretty penny these days. Yeah, absolutely, and definitely one of the two reasons that I keep my GameCube around, that and God yeah, with yeah, Earth Legacy. Of it, that's even worth it, especially if you have friends to play with that are interested in it. Yeah, which the biggest issue. Yeah. And which may be the biggest issue. All right, and I guess I'll move on to my next one here, which is definitely related uh, to Fancy Star Online, and that'd be um, a sequel or a pseudo-sequel there. It'd be Fancy Star Portable 2, which came out for the PSP. And this it's a sequel, it's from what, like two thousand eleven or twelve, I wanna say? Like it's uh, I, I got this while, I got this game while I was in college. So it's two thousand yeah, two thousand yeah, nine. Two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Uh, it came out a year after Fantasy Star Portable One. Yeah, and this is actually the combat was really based more. Um, so, just a little bit of background: After Fancy Star Online, they released a Fancy Star Universe, which was kind of a follow-up, and it wasn't. It definitely wasn't the same, and it uh, in a lot of people's minds, it wasn't as good. I mean, it, I would agree to that too. True. And yeah. they took a lot of the the good changes from Fancy Star Universe, and they also um, scaled it back and took a lot of things from the original Fancy Star Online. It was kind of the best of both worlds in Fancy Star Portable too. Yeah, it is arguably a a much better game than PSO is. Uh, everything that... For sure. It, oh, Got yeah, a, a huge upgrade. Much more fluid. You can move around. I, you can actually mash the buttons now. I don't think it actually had the uh, the rhythm combos, if you want to you call still, them that. I was to say, if you do the rhythm there, you still get a little bit of a boost. Oh, yeah, that's there. right. You get like a 10% damage boost, which is uh, which is worth it uh, if, if you can do it. But just the amount of of weapons and abilities that you could get, and just the customization uh, of everything—be it your character, uh, uh, the abilities that you ap- apply to your classes, and the fact that it, when you created your character at the beginning, that didn't determine what your character was for the rest of the game. Like it wasn't the uh, Fancy Star Online—you picked a class, that's what you played, unless you rolled a new one. This one, you could—it kind of had a job system where you could pick several different roles, you could level them up and switch between them uh, back at the main hub, which, which was great. Yeah, and I mean, you had, like you said, this way you have access to basically all the gear in the game. I mean, you can use any kind of weapon you want, and you can actually, if you put points into a certain weapon, like you want to use like a huge buster sword, you can put all your points into that, and you said you don't like that, you can take everything out of that and decide you want to use you know, um, handguns or ranged weapons, you put all your points into that instead. I mean, it was definitely yeah. definitely unique and let you uh, kind of toy around with things and decide what you actually liked. Yeah, and one of the best parts about that was a lot of games, a lot of RPGs. In fact, they don't want you to kind of test things out like that. So what they'll do is they'll 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 charge you uh, in-game money to kind of like go back on those uh, those decisions you made because they're like, oh, decisions are important. Uh, But you need to think them through. No, this game lets you experiment like one hundred percent. It's great. After a level, if you find you don't like something, you can go you can go completely back uh, on what you were using the level before for free, and and just figure out what you like. Yeah, very very flexible. Gives you gives you points when you level up, and you can you know you always have those points you're disposable to put in whatever you decide. Yeah. one thing to well, my personal favorite thing, well, I don't know, there was so much I liked about that game. Uh, F- Fantasy Star Portable 2. Uh, definitely, I definitely prefer it to Fantasy Star Online, but Fantasy Star just kind of has, uh, I got rose tinted of glasses on that one. It's got the nostalgia for sure. It's yeah. the first, the original. Yeah. It's just so much more content and, and, and the, the combat just, just feels better. Uh, I don't know, and then classes, races. I mean, they added um, basically like um, like photon arts are kind of like ultimates or limit breaks, whatever you want to call them. Well, they didn't necessarily add that; those were in fancy Star Online too, but they were just a little bit different because they were they were dependent on your class. Remember, you could you could raise your mags, those little dudes over your <laughs> shoulder, and you could use those photon blasts like they were limit breaks. That's true. It, yeah. So that did transition over, but it did work a little bit different because each uh, each race had their own. Like so, if yeah. you played one the of the robots, thing, the, the Beast Warrior there, and I remember you turned into like a like a great ape from Dragon Ball Z, basically it was like your uh, new limit breaker, your ultimate or Photon Art. Yeah, and it was cool. cool. You could pick which one you wanted. You'd like change your tattoo or something. And uh, if you if you were with the uh, uh, the robot class, you'd get like different armaments that would like uh, be dropped down, and you'd jump into like a mech suit and shoot a bunch of missiles. Uh, All kinds of different, uh, very, very cool stuff. So that game, pretty much ridiculous amounts of replay value, if that's your jam. uh, The game basically never ends. You can just play through the story. Not that great, but playing with your buddies and just, you know, uh, smashing a bunch of enemies in the face, getting loot. Yeah, and and the only downside is that, I mean, it's on the PSP, and I understand if not a lot of people have access to those. I actually found that system that's... It ranks pretty high up there for me. I mean, I really liked the PSP and the DS around that time period. I thought they both had a, a ton of good games. Yeah, I mean, the PSP had—if you liked Japanese RPGs—that was your system right there. It was great. Uh, and and one thing uh, about this game, before we uh, jump off of it off the ship here, is actually this game got a sequel in Japan called *Fantasy Star Portable 2 Infinite* which I'm such a big fan, I uh, imported it and I, I put a small uh, language patch on it and then also got a, uh, a tran- uh, translation guide online and basically just from my memory of playing it so much, figured out the menus and just somehow I managed to play this game that was has like twice as much content as even Fantasy Star Portable 2 uh, in, in Japanese and, it, I don't know, so much better. Waiting for that uh, fan, uh, that fan English patch. I can't wait. (laughs) It may never (laughs) come. I mean, Fantasy Star Online too. I mean, I don't know what Sega's waiting on. They seem to release it out here in the states because I know you played it and you said it's phenomenal. And I haven't played it and I really want to. Oh yeah, it's super great. Um, I I played it for, I want to say a couple of weeks. Um, Somehow I got uh, on it on a Japanese server, got a Japanese account, and played it for a bit uh it's it's kind of the best of both worlds a little bit they they combined uh fantasy star portable 2 fantasy star online and just kind of made it a lot more mmo a lot more uh, i guess social focused it is a lot of fun the combat's super fast Uh, i think there there was fun stuff like you could you could jump around, you could jump and dash in the air, depending upon what class you were. So the combat was definitely, like, uh, more hectic. An instance in, uh, in party base there, like four person parties? Yeah, so what you do is you'll meet in the central hub, like you did in the other ones, and then, yeah, you just go out to the instance, and it's kind of blocked out into combat arenas. I didn't know maybe if they, like, had raids or anything. No, they do have raids. They, oh, they definitely okay. do. Yeah, they have different, they have lots of different stuff. I think the game's, it's still going on. I still get emails, uh, <laughs> updates in that game, and I still don't have it here. It's very disappointing. That's like one of those top five games that that I I'm gonna I'm gonna be real disappointed if it doesn't come here. Yeah, I know it's supposed to get Switch ported. Was supposed to years ago. I already have in Japan. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting. Still waiting. Ugh, <laughs> oh, be a long ride. Say so. So, you got any other ones you'd like to mention? I know those were. I think those were the main ones that we had set aside. Big. There, um, the only other honorable mention I'd have, I know we want to throw out there, is uh, for good old Peacekeepers on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. People might need a history lesson on this one. <laughs> I feel like you should uh, kinda uh, inform them there. I don't, I don't know, I don't know if I have that much information on it, but Peacekeepers is actually, and let me know if I'm wrong here. Is this the third or the fourth game in the series? This is actually, I believe, the fourth game. Okay, so. Uh, this comes from a series, and it was developed by Jellico. Yes, actually, you're right, it's the third game, because I believe in Japan it was called Hey Punk, Are You Tough Enough? Yes, which is also a great title, potentially better than Peacekeepers, let's be real. Yeah, so the first was the first game Brawl Brothers or was it Rival Turf? Those were the first two games. The first game was Rival Turf. Yeah, and so they're basically uh, your your average uh, beat-em-up games on the super nintendo and peacekeepers has kind of a special place in our heart because (laughs) uh back in the day i had a a pretty large video game collection and it i want to say we found this game amongst uh, amongst the pile what's amongst uh, i'd say several hundred super nintendo games yeah several hundred super nintendo games which is a grand pile and it's amazing we we found this one with the amazing games that were already in there this was a game we'd never heard of, and I don't think that uh, I don't think we we even read up on it before we played it. We went ahead, and put it in the Super Nintendo, and we played it. And I don't think either one of us really liked it. No, it was uh, It almost seemed like it wasn't even like a complete game. A little bit like the. There's no music in levels. There's only sound effects in levels. And so, that, I don't think that's true of all the levels. Okay, I, I remember uh, MacLeod Falls specifically. I'll you here the entire time. It's just a waterfall crashing down constantly. That, that's, that's very, very true. Uh, it, I, it, it's hard for me to actually describe why this game is, is so fantastic. Uh, but outside of that first time that we played it, I don't even know how far we got. I have a feeling we only played it for an hour. Uh, but I think it was a few weeks later we decided to give it another shot. And this game is surprisingly deep, and it's full of just—I don't want to say these like these these intricate details that are just just unnecessary uh, in these kind of games. But it, it just has it has like br- lots of branching paths and very obtuse ways to unlock different uh, different ways through the game to to unlock characters. Because you don't you don't start with all the characters available. Uh, I can't remember. You, you start with. There's a character named Flynn. Flynn, Owl, uh, Procop, and Echo, I believe, are the four. I actually think that's accurate. That's very impressive. Very impressive. And anyway, all these characters are very very different. And 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 then there are two more characters. Uh, Norton. Actually, is there more than two. I think there might be more than two. Uh, no, there's uh, there's. Norton and there's a or robot, robot, I believe. Yeah. Orbot, not robot. Or- Orbot. He is a robot, but it's named <laughs> robot. Is. And uh, you won't necessarily see those characters the first time, or even the second time you play the game. But you need to know how to navigate the branching paths of the game to unlock them if you want to. And they're definitely worth looking at, especially Norton. He's my favorite. He's got the best du- double German in gaming. He does. A double German suplex is amazing. He yes. My go-to, he's basically the Undertaker, but just goes around chokeslamming people. Yes, and like uh, like I said, one cool feature that's not in basically any other game is there is a um, the color editor for every enemy in the game and character. Yes, it's ridiculous. There, I've never seen so much customization in an MMO for one character. it's ridiculous there's literally like probably i don't know 50 to 60 different models in this game and you could make them into the most ridiculously hideous abominations you've ever seen and it's amazing it it's so strange why they went out of their way to put something like something like that in the game let alone <laughs> four player multiplayer brawl mode <laughs> yeah It's so weird. I don't even think you can play the main game four-player. But you can play this... game's only two players. Yeah. But this Brawl mode, if you have a multi-tap for your Super Nintendo, (laughs) you best believe and best should play this four-player... It's like a terrible, like, Super Nintendo wrestling game. Yeah. uh... That's what it reminds me of. Yeah, because there's tons of weapons you... And you throw everything in a straight line, too, so... You get like a barbed wire baseball bat, and you throw it straight across the screen in a straight line that basically does nothing. You get a grenade, you throw it perfectly straight across the screen. In a and it's line. impossible. The hit detection on those is dumb. <laughs> it's it's even like that in the regular game. But it, it's those little things that kind of... I don't even what I want to call it. Little bits of unpolished glory.
1: What's
0: uh, like, I mean, just, just for example, you might go a certain direction... And you end up in a hospital, and this random guy will give you a pile driver through like thirteen floors of a hospital, and you unlock a new route. That's right. And then is is that the guy who who has the brother, and uh, then you have to you have to go tell him that you killed him, and then he gets mad, and he gets he gets uh, he takes like steroids and tries to kill you, or gets turned into an alien. I don't know. There's a lot of crazy plot points in the game. No, that was definitely Connor. Connor, I believe, gave you the pile driver. And it's not Connor McGregor. It's yeah. Connor the pile drive <laughs> artist. It's the greatest pile drive in media. <laughs> I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. But uh, it's actually it's actually been harder to talk about this game and explain why we like it uh, than I thought it would be. It's it's just so unique and it's uh it's it's something. Yeah. When we talk about it normally, it's just a bunch of very specific inside jokes and references. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can so, make on here so it wouldn't make any sense. It does not translate over a podcast. That is that is for sure. <laughs> but it is a game worth uh, looking into if if you're a big fan of beat 'em ups and you want to see one of the more unique ones out there. Yeah, it's obscure and it is definitely unique and uh don't judge it on the, the first impression there because uh Give it a little bit of time, go some uh, unique paths there, and I think you'll probably end up, you may end up not hating it. Yeah, because actually the combat's not that bad. It's actually pretty good. It feels yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty good. Solid. There's actually a lot of moves per character. It's no, like, Final Fight 3 or anything, but, I mean, it's it's solid. Yeah, I mean, it could use, it, the music's not as good as Final Fight 3. I'll give you that. I mean, the sound effects. <laughs> at, at least it has music. Yeah, it's definitely got great sound effects. That it does. It's only because it's all you have. <laughs> but yeah, definitely a cool game on the Super Nintendo. I definitely suggest uh, you guys check that out or definitely download a ROM. Something like that. Uh, one that I wanted to bring up uh, is, a, is an example of uh, a series that I never, ever thought would be multiplayer in any way and that is Castlevania Harmony of Despair, which came out uh, around the same time as a hardcore uprising on my Xbox Live Arcade, and it is a multiplayer Castlevania uh, RPG uh, in the vein of Symphony of the Night and Dawn of Sorrow, which takes an all-star cast of Castlevania characters and allows you to play online with up to six other people, and you go through... uh, these huge uh, pre-generated levels. I don't even know how to describe them. They're absolutely massive. And you just, you kill, you go from room to room, killing enemies, killing bosses, and just looting them and just trying to power up your character. It's it, its really like one of the most strange MMO, I don't even want to call it an MMO, but it kind of is, uh, online multiplayer RPGs that I've ever played. And Castlevania is my favorite video game series of all time, so this game was like a godsend when I got it, and I put hundreds of hours into this game. And, and the it, one thing I'll say, so you can actually bring, like, a friend on, and you can do a couch co-op and go online, or okay, just do off well, co-op with it, too. Let's back up a little bit there. That's only on the PS3. Oh, okay. Uh, it originally came out on the Xbox, like I said, but that option was brought into the PS3 version, which is just as good. Um, it also has all the online and already has all... I, I actually don't think when you buy the game you get all the DLC... Uh, the game had a lot of extra DLC to it. I think we could like double the length of the game. But um, it did come with a, a couch co op uh, version, which you could play with four people. Pretty sure. I think we only tried it with two. But the that way was the two, game. We with three before. We tried, we tried to... to. We got really there at one time. What a nightmare. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the way the game works is when when you're moving around with your characters and everybody's kind of near each other, it'll zoom in, it'll be kind of a, just like your normal 2D platformer kind of view. But the way it works when it's cash co-op and you split off, because of like the ingrained architecture of it being online, the, the camera will zoom out and you, you, you'll you just turn into like these small dots and you'll see the level around you if one of your friends decides to be a dick and and rush ahead or stay behind, and it's very frustrating and very difficult to see if you don't have an enormous TV and great vision. And sitting right next to it. Yeah, which you should be if your are cool co-op. The closer you can get to the TV, almost always the better. But that is, that is one of the frustrating things about that game. It is actually very, very fun, but the, the issue is when you're trying to navigate levels with friends, especially if they die or one of them just gets left behind, that part's very frustrating. But when you're fighting bosses and you're kind of all on the general uh, same screen, a lot of fun. And uh, it it was definitely a love letter to Castlevania fans, and it it's definitely probably in my top three uh, Castlevania games that I've ever played, surprisingly. I mean, it does make sense, though. It was originally made basically for online only, and then they brought couch co-op to it. So, I mean, that's still a cool feature, but you can tell it wasn't optimized for it. Yeah, I should give him credit for at least just putting it in there. Like that was that was great, and I, I mean I never would have got to play it with Buck. Um, so that was that was a cool experience. I never played it much like that. I've actually played the, mo- the majority of my time was spent on the Xbox. So very cool game though. Yeah, for sure. You got any other classics I'm, over there? Uh, uh, only other one i min- really mentioned was a. Uh, uh, Old school game came out, I believe, in uh, two thousand one. It was a uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Federation versus Zeon. And uh, anyone that grew up around uh, the heyday of tsunami, like we did with Dragon Ball Z and Gundam Wing out there, a lot of us kind of got in anime and guys to be uh, Gundam fans there. And I played um, a ton of this game uh, with one of my buddies, Dell. There, we played. I don't know, probably put hundred hours or more into this uh, Federation versus Zeon game, which is basically. It's like an arcade um, two-on-two versus game, so uh, similar if you play it. I don't know if anyone's familiar with Virtual On. Oh, oh am I ever. Oh, yeah, another great game there. It's kind of like that, except it's um, two-on-two or sometimes like two-on-four, and it's a phenomenal game, especially if you're uh, if you're into the Gundam series. I mean, it's got a ton of the mechs in there and different Gundams. It's a, it's a ton of fun there, and for a series like that that doesn't have a lot of... Uh, it has a lot of games, but not necessarily a lot of good games there. It's definitely a fun one and I mean we just went back to it. I played it with one of my buddies, played it with Dell probably several it was a few months ago. I mean we busted out again. So I mean still holds up today and still love the game. I'll say this is this is probably the only game on this list that I haven't played with you, so I really don't know anything about it. Is it more just kind of like an arena fighting game but does it have any other like kind of elements to it does it have any like rpg elements or anything like that to it um this one really doesn't have rpg elements is more of kind of like an almost like an arcade port i mean there is a a single player version that does have uh some rpg elements you get to kind of upgrade your mech and things like that but the version we play of it is more of just uh, going through the arcade setting there's a lot of different branching paths depending on if you want to um, Join with the, the Federation or, or Xeon, which is kind of the bad guys there. And it's got a, a lot of interesting features It actually, after you beat the game, and depending how good you do, it gives like a scale, the balance of power, how much uh, what you did actually affected like the overall story and what's going on, which is kind of cool. But yeah, I mean, I, I know you haven't actually played it with me, but it's one I think you would like because um, you weren't really a fan of Armored Core too much, but I know uh, Virtual On was definitely. Uh, both are jammed back in the day. Virtualon oh, like was this. amazing. Yeah, and I never got into Armored Core, but I also never really attempted to play it. I think I had one of them on the PS2, and I think I think it was a little slower paced. And I, I, I don't like like you said. I don't like too many of the Gundam games because a lot of them are from around that time were poor. Yeah, for sure. And this one's kind of in the middle. It's not as fast paced as Virtual and it's a lot. It's not near as clunky as Armored Core. Sounds perfect. So it's a good way to get the uh, the giant mech fix. And uh, for anyone who's a Gundam fan or an anime fan, definitely want to check out there. And actually, I have Gundam Versus just came out um, like six or so months ago on PS4. But again, my uh, big problem with it is it's uh, not couch multiplayer. It's online only, which uh, just isn't the same there. Is that different than the, the Breakers that came out like two months ago? It's different than that. It's a okay. completely different series. It's more of like a... Uh, related to the Builder series, there. Okay, all right. Well, I, I said my my big experience with the series besides uh, Gundam Warriors or Dynasty Warrior Gundams. Yeah. I think I played the second, the third one, which were pretty good, but monotonous yeah, a little bit, as, of them, but... as they usually are. They're good and for it, and then they get old. Yeah, I mean, th- those are co-op too, if I remember correctly. So those okay. were fun. Those are fun, just it just it gets monotonous, like you said. All the Warriors games are basically the same thing; they're just reskinned as you know, Hyrule Warriors, Fire Emblem, Gundam, One Piece. Don't forget Dragon Quest. <sighs> yes, that really yeah. actually, it's a little bit different, and it's not multiplayer, so that's true. It's it, it's probably the best one. But my favorite Gundam game is probably Battle Assault 2. too. I mean, that's a classic, and that game looks freaking awesome with the, the sprites they have in there, too. Yes, that is a beautiful uh, PS1 uh, 2D fighting game. It's a little clunky, but, yeah, it's a, it's a good time for sure. Yeah, I don't, are there any good 2D fighting games that actually have mechs in them? Uh, fighting games, not not just 2D mech games, because there are some of those. Maybe, uh, I know, I imported um, Cyborg back in the day with Jin. Oh, yeah, I do like that one. That's a good one, but uh, it's not really. It's basically Street Fighter just with mechs, so. That's right. Well, any game with Janet, I'm a a big fan of, so. That's true. Shout out to Marvel vs. 2, not co-op, a great game. (laughs) And I am actually kind of disappointed that you haven't brought up what I know to be one of your absolute favorite co-op games of all time. You must be talking about Captain America and the Avengers. I am, and while nobody actually knows it, and I can't really prove it, I am wearing my Captain, one of my many many Captain America <laughs> t-shirts on this podcast. So I feel like it must be stated that this is this is actually a, a great em up on the Sega Genesis, and the one on Super Nintendo isn't half as good as the Genesis version. It was actually made by a, a ported by a different company, and they didn't do a very good job. Yeah, it, it, it's very sad. Because it is very good, and this is actually probably one of the most well-known game ups, at least on the Genesis. I, I think, think so. Yeah, I mean, and the, the translation is hilariously bad, which makes the game even better, and it has uh, some voice acting which is phenomenal. Yeah, that that's really what took it over the top, which, which, was, <laughs> which was cool in its time, and just yeah. There, and I think I also remember. Uh, I think my favorite part was those kind of those awkward like. Side scrolling shooter stages where your characters took up half the screen. They're like yeah, they're enormous. Oh, actually are really good. Some of my favorite parts are when like random people do a run in and you have to thank them. Like Wonder Man comes by with the shield and goes, Thank you, Wonder Man. Great voice acting. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was a very, very cool game. And what were the characters in that one, obviously, besides Captain America? Uh, Hawkeye, Vision, Iron Man. Yeah, it's so, just, uh, the trio there, and I mean, they all play, a uh, Hawkeye and Vision kind of play similar, and Iron Man Captain America kind of play similar there, so there's enough variety to keep it mixed up, and it's, uh, it's a decently hard game with, uh, a set amount of continues like any good game like that should be. I don't think it should be unlimited to make it, um, that takes a little bit of the fun out of it, I think, if continues are unlimited, and, uh, you know, like a scrolling beat-em-up like that takes a little bit of the tension away. Yeah, I think that's, that's a big reason why uh, a game like Metal Slug didn't make it onto my list. It, I absolutely love those games. Super fun, beautiful animation. But in the arcades, uh, I'm poor while I'm playing them because they're so hard. <laughs> but in every Metal Slug collection I, I've ever played, and I believe any of them that exist, they give you unlimited lives and you can't turn it off. Yeah, which is frustrating. Is Metal Slug X on the original PlayStation like that too? I don't remember. I that actually may be the exception. It might be the only one. Yeah. So, like, if you get the Metal Slug anthology, the it it takes the fun out of the game because you die instantly and then you just revive and it keeps doing it over and over again. You can't just set it to "Hey, I want three lives." You have to go. You have to play it with the honor code and be like, "Well, if I lose three lives, then I'm done." Which it's hard to do if you've uh, done well, and you're like, well, I may as well just finish it out now, and there's nothing stopping me. Right. But also phenomenal Neo Geo game. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I, I actually prefer That's actually one that I actually prefer playing in the arcades. Uh, it definitely makes it a lot harder, but uh, I just don't have enough quarters to get through it. That's, that's true. And one of the few arcade games uh, that I played a reasonable amount of time when I was a kid. I actually didn't spend a ton of time in the arcades. I know you definitely spent more than I did. Uh, I think we had the Metal Slug in the uh, local Pizza Hut in our town. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, we yeah. had it for quite a while there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh the you... was in the, the Holiday Inn, too. That was always nice. Yes. That was probably the other one that I played. Yeah. <laughs> good times. Good times. So, I mean, being able to play games co-op in the arcade... And playing uh, co-op, uh, couch co-op, way better. I, I'm a huge advocate for that as opposed to uh, this. This I don't want to say it's nonsense, but the gaming industry has definitely been trying to push online gaming, and I guess promoting developers did not even implement or even try to put in the resources to put uh, any type of couch co-op into their games. Yeah, I know at least they announced in the next Halo, like from Halo 5 at zero couch co-op period, or co-op or multiplayer, and they're putting it back in uh, for the next one there, but yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, uh, how we really grew up, and I know we appreciate the online now, since we're, you know, several hundred miles apart now, and have to play online most of the time there, but it's just not the same. No, absolutely not, It's it's not as interactive, it's I don't want to say, well, much like this podcast, obviously we can riff off what each other's saying, but it, it's not the same as being in the same room. You know, one of your buddies does something stupid, you smack them on the shoulder. Exactly. They spill their Gatorade, and, you know, whatever. Super good times. And I, I wouldn't change those memories for anything. And I can definitely say for a fact that I have way, way less memories from any type of online gaming that I do with my friends nowadays. Yeah, for sure. It's just, it's not the same. You don't have a, someone sitting there right next to you. You can't have the same interactions. I mean, regardless if you're playing something cooperatively cooperatively, or, you know, against each other in some kind of deathmatch or some environment, it's just a whole lot better to have everybody sitting right there. It just magnifies everything and makes it you know so much more fun there. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a strange it's a strange disconnect, and I feel like uh, probably a lot of younger gamers won't necessarily appreciate that mindset, and that that might be because they never got the chance to experience it or experience it as much. Uh, and and for me, that's I mean that's disappointing. I actually look forward to playing games like this. Uh, with my kids, whenever yeah. I have them and they're old enough to play them, I think that'd be a lot of fun. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to sit in separate rooms on different consoles talking over microphones. It's, just, it, it, it's not the same. And it, it's hard to, you know, just describe it like we're doing it and have people that haven't experienced it really understand it. But it, it just seems so simple to me. Yeah, I mean, it's just an in, – in, in, yeah, can't speak now. It's an intangible there that you really can't – unless you've done it and been through it, you can't really describe it to someone. But there's just – it's something missing over just a microphone versus actually being – sitting there in person there. It's – the whole experience is just different and magnified so much if you're actually in the same room there. I mean, that's memories. You remember that type of stuff where, you know, a lot of things online it's not necessarily – Not necessarily the same there. Not to say I don't enjoy online gaming these days, I mean, but just not the same, especially with your buddies as Couch Co-op, for sure. Yeah, it's absolutely not the same. And I totally wish that I could be playing Gauntlet Dark Legacy with you right now.
1: That'd be sweet. (laughs) Yeah,
0: no, it absolutely would be. And uh, we'll go ahead and uh, stop the podcast there. I don't know if you have anything else that you want to talk about. And I don't think I have uh, anything else uh, to talk about or plug right now. I feel like we've uh, been talking a while here and got a, a lot of it in our pilot episode, the first one here, so hopefully many may more to come. Yeah, and I appreciate everybody who's uh, listened and uh, definitely look forward to more, uh, and we will see you guys later. I'm Chuck. I'm Buck. And this is the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. Thanks, have guys. good day.